Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, we will hear a roundup of some of the best cookbooks coming out this fall. She seems to have a voice in her head that's like, I'm thinking of um, making shrimp lasagna with habanero oil. And the voice is like, fucking go for it. But first, it's our chance to sit back, relax, and unwind from another slog of a week. With us this week, we have two delightful humans. Lauren Chuljan is a senior producer at New Hampshire Public Radio. Lauren, welcome back. Thanks, Greta. We also have Jonklyn Hill. She's a senior producer at Vox and is also hosting the Weeds podcast through the midterms. JQ, glad to have you back, too. Hello. It's so good to be back. Okay, so I think we should start this week in peak autumnal fashion by talking about (laughs) pumpkins. In this case, it is very large, very heavy pumpkins. The world champion pumpkin way off was held earlier this week in California and a Minnesota horticulture teacher won with a pumpkin that weighed over 2,500 pounds. It is massive. Um, And it's also actually just a couple hundred pounds off from like the world record, which happened in Italy last year. Um, I have a lot of questions about this, including how on earth this dude in Minnesota got the pumpkin from Minnesota to California (laughs) for the way off. That was my first thought, Greta. All this morning, I've been like going all around the internet. Like someone needs to explain to me, like how. So what I learned from, of course, the local reporters from Minnesota was that he had to wrap it in saran wrap. That's so much saran wrap. It's so much so saran wrap. Much. So so the guy wraps the thing in saran wrap, okay? Then he puts, like, warm towels around it. I don't wow. have any idea why. There was something some local anchor said about how, like, you don't want it to, like, age any further. Oh I, I, this oh, is all interesting. Well, like, maybe if it dries out too much, it's lighter or something. Potentially. And we, we certainly wouldn't want mm, that, would no, we? No, God forbid. And so, and so then... They said it took two days to drive. And I saw a quote somewhere about how he was like, you think driving in a snowstorm is bad? And I just like, I (laughs) could not conceptualize a a world (laughs) in which you're driving a trailer with... 2,500 pounds so of pumpkin amazing. on it. It's so amazing. I'm sorry, but what if they got in a car accident on the highway? Oh, my yes. God. Just <laughs> smashing pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> did y'all see he named this pumpkin Maverick? Oh, bless. No, I did not. <laughs> oh, I don't think I would have named my pumpkin that. <laughs> what would you name your giant pumpkin, Jake? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Charlie Brown because it's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Mm, yeah. That's cute. Charlie Brown. Yeah, I like that. In case you're wondering, I also did a deep dive on whatever I could learn about how uh, said pumpkin grows to be so large. And yes. I did find a story about a guy in New York who grew like a not as big but extremely large pumpkin. Mm. And he said that it took 75 gallons of water oh a day. Oh, my God. A day? Wow. Oh, my God. Can you think about that? I mean, Ooh. like, I don't want to start anything because, like, you know, we're over here in New England in a drought. But, like, I just... Right. 
That's so much water. And then apparently this particular pumpkin, there weren't enough bees around, so he had to hand pollinate the plant. Wow. That's wild. I guess I didn't think of what it would entail because I'm I'm just thinking like, oh, you fertilize it and rather than picking it right when it's ripe, you just let it keep going, you know, kind of like, like zucchini, like Mm-hmm. Big gigantic zucchini actually aren't that good to eat. Right. That's the thing. Like any giant vegetable is not going to be that tasty, which then leads you to like, what are you going to do with this big ass pumpkin? Oh, carve a jack o' lantern out of it, obvi. <laughs> I I'm not a pumpkin eater. Like when it comes mm. to seasonal foods, I'm more of a sweet potato girl than a pumpkin oh, girl. Respect, but yeah. I do love a decorative gourd. And my first thought was just, <laughs> oh, I would put this in my apartment. I don't know how it would get in there, but that would be, I just like, this is my, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, this is my, hi, it's fall. Like I have little pumpkins all around my apartment and like matching scented candles because I'm insane. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I guess, I guess this would sit in my living room. I really don't think you should bring it inside. (laughs) I'm just going to say it. I think it should go in like a friend's front yard, like your friend's mom and the burbs, like whatever it takes. I just don't think it should go inside. You can visit it casually, but you don't want it in your house. It's funny. One of my first thoughts was like, could this be a reading nook? Like how long could you hang out in there before it got weird? I love the idea of sitting in a pumpkin and reading a book. Right? Doesn't that like that is like maximum coziness right there until it's gross. As a little kid who used to like take the book behind the Christmas tree. Yes. You're speaking to me so right. hard. Oh, I love that. So I'm, I don't know if you guys have done Pottermore, but I'm a Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the one common room in Harry Potter where they have not visited, but apparently like it's right below the kitchen. Like it's cozy. There are all these mm-hmm. nooks. I bet there's a giant pumpkin in there for sure. Oh yes, for sure. <laughs> that like magically never rots and is always super cozy. Yeah, <laughs> well, totally. Professor yeah. Sprout is the head of their house and see, I think wow. hmm, now I'm thinking might have to fire up that fan fiction again. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm also very excited to talk to you about this tweet that went viral this week. I thought it was fascinating. It was written by Danielle Candela, and she posted, At 68, I still work full-time. I crochet in my spare time. I crocheted a blanket for a friend's son who turned 21. I had over 900 hours in and $120 of yarn. I also gave him $121. My friend gave me back the blanket. She said her son only likes designer gifts. I am hurt. Now, this got like over 100,000 likes. It was very divisive. Lots of people said that like Danielle just shouldn't call these people friends anymore. Other people chimed in and said like it's completely unreasonable to put that much time into something that a person might not want. You're just sort of like imposing your idea of the ideal gift. Uh, JQ, who is the asshole here? Oh, it's definitely um, the friend slash maybe the son. I don't. We haven't heard directly from the son, so I can't True. say that. <laughs> Very true. Okay. I recently am attempting to teach myself to knit. It's not going well. Um, (laughs) I can only cast on every time I try a a knit stitch. uh, Something happens. I'm like, oh, no, I have to start over. And (laughs) so I realize, uh, like, wanting, quote, unquote, a designer gift, like, one, at least, like, when I interact with something that's designer it's presumably not because of the brand name, but because of the quality. Like sure. if she were to sell this, she could sell it for 
probably a couple hundreds because you're putting that much work in. It's handmade. And so for me, I like you made it by hand, of course. There's time mm. and effort that's put into it, which is the same with designer things. Like that's presumably why they cost so much. Yeah. And and my thing is also like, girl, if you don't like it, why would you give it back and say that? Just yes. put it in a closet. Be like, yes. oh, okay, all right, thank you. That's like the most basic response. Like that's like the the bottom of the barrel kind thing to do is be like, thank you, grace, <laughs> like, being gracious. Yes, but I have to say the the Venn diagram middle section of like people who love Twitter and people who knit. Like I did not realize mm. it is large. Like there oh, yeah. is a lot mm-hmm. of crossover there because the responses were so unbelievable. I found the savage response from this woman who said. I'm a pretty good knitter. I made blankets for both my grandkids. My daughter said, they're very pretty, but not her style. I was so hurt. I packed them and the kids will find them in the closet when when I die. But you know what? I know that's right. Y'all are ungrateful. Okay. Then I won't do I I won't do anything. The thing is though, I that was amazing. So I have been knitting for like twenty years now, which is like a ridiculous sentence to say. But can you teach me to knit stitch? Yes, we can totally make that happen. But I mean I think to me part of the problem with this situation is that like there's no point in selling the stuff I make because if I actually tallied up the time it made and the amount for supplies, I would have to charge way too much. So I don't even log the time. Because, like, the act of logging the time to me implies some sort of debt mm. that, especially if I make stuff for a person, yeah, just that's doesn't so seem fair. You know what I mean? Like, I do think it seems to me like both sides of this are missing some amount of grace where it's like part of the act of giving a gift is like thinking about the person who's receiving it and whether or not they would like it. And I think it's probably pretty reasonable to assume that a 21 year old dude you know, isn't going to appreciate something that you spent 900 hours on. Well, you know, they'll just have to pack it in the closet and he'll find it when she dies. (laughs) 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 No, I totally agree. I mean, I think there is some sort of understanding of like, you know, you're giving something to someone because they will enjoy it. That's like the point of the gift. Um, Not just like I did this for you. So you will be forced to like it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we all agree. Like the mom could have been like, thank you so much. And then like put it in some undisclosed location. I, you know, I don't know. She could have brought it to Salvation Army. Yeah. Also, I would be like, this is my blanket now. And, you know, if you come home <laughs> from, like, work or college or whatever, and you're like, oh, that's my blanket. It's not. You were ungrateful, so it's <laughs> oh, yeah. not yours. It's your own self warm. <laughs> oh. That's hilarious. I just love all these topics this week. I want to talk about the butterboard, which oh, is, yeah. like, so it's like a charcuterie board, but you just smear butter on a cutting board or plate or serving dish, and then you add, like, herbs and flowers. And then you can dip bread or crackers from there. It has like completely taken over TikTok. Uh, Lauren, is this something you would make? I mean, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I so I, I love a food Instagram account. I mm-hmm. love Grossy mm-hmm. Pelosi. And he posted a ricotta board. Oh, and I was like, oh. now we're talking. And I, then I saw my interest. Yes. Right. And then I saw yes. another person do like labna. So it was like more of like a mm, yogurt yum. dip. Yeah. I was like, OK, I can see myself consuming a large amount of, of that base of the yeah, board. The, ricotta, the butter is kind of hard to wrap. The butter just, like, is really. Much butter. Uh, I don't mean to judge butter. I mean, butter no, is delicious. I love butter. 
Yeah. I, it's just, I don't know. I just, that much of it, although I, I do see why it's so appealing because of that little swoosh of the knife. I think that's oh what really what it's Absolutely. all about. Yeah, the smearing <laughs> does look really satisfying. What do you think, JQ? Okay, I think these butter boards are beautiful, but I agree. I don't think butter is that girl when it comes to bread. <laughs> Like it's it's definitely in the mix. Like I would have yeah. a butter board as part of like maybe several boards or like an yes. entire charcuterie board. But I'm yeah. not going to dedicate all of my time to butter. I I love dipping. I love going to restaurants and dipping my bread in olive oil. Or mm. um, I went to Spain on vacation earlier this year, and it was Ooh. like garlic aioli, garlic aioli on yes. the bread. And so I need, yes. I need options. Like we can get this popping, but yeah. <laughs> we don't have to. And also, I will say that my go-to, like making a flavored butter, anchovy butter, spread it mm. on bread. Put radishes oh, sure. on top and sprinkle oh. sea salt on top. Oh, yeah, that's Absolutely. Lovely. I that's love lovely. a salty it's butter. A very I love good a flavored time. butter. Also, who's going to clean that board? That's all yeah, I kept on thinking. Also, thing. you need to have like at least eight friends over unless you want to just oh, yeah. eat a whole ass stick of butter. Not to judge because like food is fabulous. And if you butter absolutely. is your thing, fine. Absolutely. But at the same time, who's going to clean that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see several. I want to see like, here's a little butter section. Here's a ricotta section. Mm, Maybe yeah. get me a hummus. Yeah, and then, like, get me some, like, infused, uh, various infused olive oils. Like, yeah. we can yeah, do a lot with the bread. Lovely. We don't yeah. have to just do butter. You know what has recently changed my life, no understatement, is whipped ricotta, oh. which is mm. you just buy ricotta and put it in the blender with a little bit of olive oil. And it becomes this really smooth, spreadable, beautiful it's sort of, it's like a cream cheese or a yogurt, but it's still ricotta and it's so lovely and it can go sweet. It can go savory. It's really good on toast with like jam and pistachios or like, you know, roasted kale or like really whatever. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. And it's just magical. Well, we know what Greta's having for snack today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's my shout out for that. I also saw a friend shared with me a TikTok of a cheese board where focaccia was the board. Oh. oh, and they like put little metal cups tray like little cups. Yeah. Into the focaccia when they baked it. So then it already had these little crevices that you could like put olives and other stuff in. And that did actually blow my mind. I'm very wow, interested that, in that. OK, I'm very, yeah. very interested in that. So when we all hang right? out and have our cocktail party, that's the appetizer <laughs> and knitting party. I have a long way to well, go. You actually, guys have to teach me. I'm sorry, but the idea of like putting a charcuterie board together, sitting around and knitting all together. Yes. I, I mean, maybe it's because I'm in my 30s firmly now, but that sounds like a very good time to me. Yeah, friend, come on over. <laughs> I love it. Okay, before I let you go, since our next segment, as I mentioned, it's about fall cookbooks. Do you have any particular recipes for the fall that you really love coming back to? Oh, well, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a particular recipe, but um, so I've accumulated many a cookbook because I love, love, love them. Mm. And I love Ina Garten. And so I have nearly all of hers. And oh. then one day my husband and I were like, we never cook out of these. They just mm. sit here. So now we are attempting to cook not the full book, but like pick a book and go cook through. out of it and That's then go to fun. the next one. 
And I'm happy to report that Family Style, Ina Garten's Barefoot Contessa Family Style, it's a good start. There's some really good mm. fall roasted veggies, like a parsnip, mm. sweet potato for JQ, sweet potato <laughs> parsnip situation. Oh, that sounds delicious. Mm. You know, it's funny you say that because that was actually, so we talked to Alex Beggs from who writes for Bon Appetit, and that was kind of her thing is like, you know, she wrote an article about the fall cookbooks, which means she had to cook through them a little bit. Mm. And she said it was really helpful in getting her out of her rut because, you know, even if it's not a cookbook you have, even if it's one, you know, you don't even have to buy one either. You can go to the library or whatever, but to just like find a book and be like, these three recipes look really interesting. Let's do it. Just to like mix things up for, you know, yourself and your routine is kind of fun. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to be eating. Brock Bolo from Bon Appetit every week, which is not a bad thing, but we need to mix it up. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I, I easily get in ruts where it's just like, all right, how many warm grain bowls can we yeah in a week? Oh, I man. love a warm grain bowl. <laughs> but, I, but I will say I'm a big Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joseph's. Oh, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I love the, the seasonal stuff, especially. And so um, my birthday was last month. And so I was like, okay, they got this pumpkin ravioli, which I always get every year. But this year, what I did was I made a brown butter sauce with sage yes. and toasted sage. walnuts. Yep. Perfect. I could feel yep. you about to you say that. Yeah. Yep. Top yep. it with oh. a little bit of Parmesan cheese. And it's like, it's yes. so easy. It's so simple. And then, you know, it's getting cooler. So now I feel like, all right, red wine. What more does anyone listening to this need? <laughs> I mean, you've been set up for a fabulous, comfy weekend. Yeah. You're going to knit. You're going to make a non-butter butterboard. You're going to have some sage. You're going to have some pumpkin. And then you're going to pretend you're sitting in a pumpkin. Uh, living the dream. Living the yes, dream. Yes. This is like a win, 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 win. What a sure. public service. <laughs> Well, thank you both for coming on. This was so much fun. What a delight. Thanks, you guys. This was fun. In just a minute, Bon Appetit contributor Alex Beggs tells us about some of her favorite cookbooks coming out this fall. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. We are in full fall vibes, and the changing seasons means it's the perfect time to try out some fun new recipes. Fall is a great time for cookbooks, and Bon Appetit contributor and food writer Alex Beggs is here with a magnificent pile of recommendations. Alex, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Okay, so tell us about your first pick. It's called Rambutan. Cynthia Shanmugalingnam is a London-based chef, and her book tells a story of her family and their recipes and some of her auntie's recipes. Mm. It's completely stunning. It's very funny. The recipes are very comforting and a mix of easy to hard. Like, the easiest recipe... Um, that I made and I will make it again and again because it's such high reward was like a yellow rice and you cook some onion and butter 
And then you add the rice and a handful of spices, like whole black pepper, couple cloves, turmeric, cardamom, oh, cool. and you cook it in coconut milk and chicken stock. And by the time oh, it's, it's yeah, beautiful. oh my God, right? And by the time it's done, which is like 15 minutes, that's it. The spices float to the top of the rice and you can just scoop out the whole mm. black pepper so you don't bite into it because I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And then you have this mm-hmm. fluffy, warm, spiced rice and that goes mm. with everything. So I... Um, was oh. super into that recipe and it couldn't have been easier. So yeah, I made that with a red chicken curry that, that had the very cinnamon cardamom meat powder that was, oh, it was awesome. I, I feel like we're talking at four o'clock and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> 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 I, wanna, I had Chipotle for lunch, yeah. you know, like it doesn't compare. <laughs> it doesn't come close. Uh. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about mezcla. Am I saying that right? I think so. Um, it means mixed, and it refers to mm. author Ista Belfridge's Brazilian slash Mexican upbringing, her travels in Italy, and just kind of generally how she cooks cultural mm-hmm. mishmash type cuisine. Her book is very cool. It really, um, this was another one that got me excited to cook thing flavor combinations i would have never put together like pappardelle with chipotle pancetta sauce like what whoa give me that (laughs) and um and the book is like very neon and lively and Mm. she seems to have a voice in her head that's like i'm thinking of making shrimp lasagna with habanero oil and the voice is like fucking go for it whereas (laughs) like in traditional food media it's like I don't yeah. know. So you're like, kind of pushing it. Who's, you know, you got to think of a larger wild. audience here. It's one that'll definitely get you out of rut if you're sick of making the same thing because it's, there's like an interesting overlap mm. of Mexican flavors and yet like pastas. And the one thing I made, I'm now reason, realizing that I just talked about rice for a long time, but the one thing I made <laughs> from Mezcla so far <laughs> was a sticky coconut rice cake with turmeric tomatoes. And it was like, you make sticky rice, wow. but in a baking pan, and then you broil it a mm-hmm. little at the end. You take it out, and you kind of cut it up like brownies almost, like like little squares. And then you yeah. have tomatoes with spices cooked in oil that are nice and jammy, and you kind of spoon those over so you have like this crazy textural wow. contrast. And I was like, well, I, you could do that rice cake with so many other toppings and things, mm-hmm. and it was such mm-hmm. a fun texture. Uh, so I loved that. Wow, that sounds amazing and really interesting. Is there actually a shrimp lasagna in there? Yes, did you yes. <laughs> right? See, your reaction is like, really? And it's like, she went for it. Yes, That's really cool. she did it. That is really cool. Good for her. Um, what about first generation? I feel like my bias is showing I like really appreciate a funny cookbook, and this one is really mm. hilarious. And so first generation is by the Taiwanese-American blogger, writer, recipe developer, Frankie Gao. His website is called Little Fat Boy. I'm glad they didn't call the cookbook that. Uh, <laughs> but he's obviously has a sense of humor and and it reflects in his food. Like his food has a sense of humor. One of the things I made was cinnamon toast crunch butter mochi. What? Wow. So I was just like, ooh, this is my excuse that I get to buy cinnamon toast crunch yes. as an adult. No kidding. You make cereal milk out of it and then you put that cinnamon toast crunch milk in the batter for the mochi and then you top it with like a crumble topping but instead of oats it's cinnamon toast crunch all mashed up and that oh, was very fun. And then I also made like a very straightforward um, orange 
glazed salmon, you know? So it was like, mm. both were very good. That sounds really good too. So another one that looks really good that you sent over is savory baking recipes for breakfast yeah. dinner and everything in between. This looks fun. It is. Oh man. I just had a quick bread from this for breakfast today mm. and it was pine nut salami and manchego oh. quick bread. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, very good, very good, like refried in butter oh. as as one does. Um, <laughs> so, do you know? Do you know Erin Jean McDowell? No, she is wonderful. She has a couple other baking cookbooks. She puts together great combinations. Mm. She's like also having a lot of fun. So it's mm. so yeah, it's savory baking, but it's like unexpected things. Like I loved that quick bread, which also had like three different substitute like ways Ooh, you could cool. riff on it and yes, i love that that's awesome. there's like french onion muffins wow. jalapeno cheddar waffles hello <laughs> yes it is the book that as a baker who prefers savor like i love i just love making like a cheese biscuit yes, type of thing yes. like i i'm really was waiting for this book and I felt like it was like made for me huh. um so i might not be the only one that's so cool so on the sweeter side of things, Claire Savitz has a new book coming, which I am very yeah. excited about. It's called What's for <laughs> Dessert. Tell us about I haven't gotten a chance to look at it yet. So What's for Dessert? The premise is her first book was um, everything was baked, but there was sweet and savory. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you made the mushroom glut, but that's one of my oh, favorite no, recipes from her first okay. book. Um, so What's for Dessert is all sweet and they're all desserts, but there's like a very strong showing for puddings and custards Ooh. and like s things that don't Love require an oven necessarily and i am a huge pudding person yes. um which you can like put on my tombstone huge pudding <laughs> loved pudding <laughs> loved a jiggler a good pudding. Uh, <laughs> and like one of the recipes that i like i had to scour the entire state of michigan to find malted milk powder because it's like, such a th like old school <laughs> ingredient but she has this salted and malted caramel pudding oh and i need it. Yeah. I want oh it so God. bad. Have you made it yet? No, because I need to have people to share oh, with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need an I need an, an occasion. I, um, I haven't made that yet. But that's number one on my oh. list. If you liked her first book, like you have to have this one. There's such a nice. It's a nice companion piece, and and there's some ingredient overlap. So if you have malted milk powder <laughs> from Claire's first book because it's in her brownies, right. then you will yet to use it again for this pudding. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> I. It's also very funny. The subtitle of this one is simple recipe for dessert people and I keep wanting it to be simple recipes for simple people <laughs> yeah <laughs> honestly I need that cookbook I need that one I know, right? thanks again you're the best thank you for having me truly delighted All right, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening along. Don't forget about Book Club. We are taping that next week, which means if you have read Our Missing Hearts by Celeste Ng, we would love to know what you think. You can record yourself on your little smartphone and then email the file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. The show is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our newsletter is built by Maggie Civet. You can sign up for that at wbez.org slash nerdetaf. And our executive producer is Brendan Banasak. 
We hope you have a beautiful weekend. Smashing pumpkins. Did you think of that before, JQ? No, I said it right then. It was brilliant. (laughs) Can you tell that I did an improv class in seventh grade? (laughs) That's what that was. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tan Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Macs and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.